Hi, my sis. I hope you're having a great start to your week. Before this episode gets started today with the special guest, Tiare Lawrence, I wanted to let you know about a special workshop that I'm doing, a live class on June 17th, Thursday at 7 p.m. It's going to be a live that I will be doing. I'm going to be sharing right into our Facebook group in the Beyond the Reef Sisterhood. If you haven't added yourself, go ahead. I've left the the link in the show notes below. I am planning to do live trainings monthly there for free, all about strategy around business building, money mindset, marriage strategy, and just, you know, cultural kind things. We'll see how it goes. You know, I'm just that roll go with the flow kind of energetic being i'm sure a lot of you are like that so not too much expectations around what it's going to look like in the future because what i'm mostly focused on is this week and i am doing a priced out of paradise workshop and i had someone share that i've been to priced out of paradise workshops before i really have hated i shouldn't say hate but have been triggered (laughs) by that word ever since it came out on the news a couple of years ago and it has been driving me to do the kind of work that I've been doing ever since so I have a love-hate with it I'm grateful for it I can't stand that that is the reality for so many of Hawaii's families and and so I'm going to talk about it how it affects us so many have been messaging I'm afraid of what life is going to be like what about our kids what about our future and while i'm not a politician i have no idea about law i do know something about hope and i do know something about grit and i do share this as much as i can but moving forward it's time to take things up a notch it's really time to take things up a notch and i hope you will join me and you know in preparation for another round of the wealthy wahine workshop i wanted to include anyone that is open to this conversation and activate as many wahine as possible and so if you would like again join the group below and we will jump into today's episode i can't wait to see all of you and to hear from all of you on thursday 7 p.m all right let's get this started calling all my island women with big dreams in your heart ambitious goals and a purpose that's been left untapped welcome home you're in the right place Welcome to Beyond the Reef podcast with me, Uilani Tevanga. My intention is to empower you to get unstuck, find your voice, and create a life of purpose. From mindset and money to marriage for the driven island woman, we'll inspire you to draw from the mana and ancestral wisdom deep within so you can go beyond the barriers you think are keeping you captive. I want to help you completely rewrite your future. I know you have everything inside of you. You are ready to tap into a life that you once believed was impossible. As a wahine, as a wife, as a mom, as a powerful businesswoman, you are ready to go next level, to create the life of your dreams, to take ownership of your cash flow, and to create a freedom that other people say you can't have, to be the person you've always known you could be, not settling for anything less. It's time to go beyond the reef. All right, today's episode is going to be with a really good friend of mine. Her name is Tiare Lawrence, and she likes to refer to herself as a daughter of Lahaina, as she is a graduate of Lahaina Luna High School. 
She's an avid canoe paddler, surfer, fitness athlete. And so let me just do a little bit introduction because it's pretty amazing what this wahine has been able to accomplish. She started working as a professional hula dancer at 15 at the old Nahaina Luau and at 18 ended up moving to Japan to dance in Tokyo Disneyland. Upon moving back home, she then traveled to Canada to train at a circus school to become an aerialist for a show um, that we both actually used to work at called Ulalana. Due to an injury, however, she ended up following her love for surfing and moved to Makaha where she surfed professionally. In 2008, she was the only woman invited to the Quicksilver Ku Ikaika Big Wave Surfing Competition. In 2009, she moved back to Maui and opened up a boutique in Wailea in 2012. And with the birth of her two keiki, she became inspired to be more vocal and engaged in community issues. Years later, she would be nominated Community Activist of the Year two times in a row. Her primary focus on activism was the environmental and Hawaiian justice issues. In 2016, she became a full-time community organizer for the Hawaii Alliance of Progressive Action. In 2019, after the sale of 41,000 acres on Maui, she decided to take a position in the new farming company Mahipono, doing community relations and community-driven projects. Tiare still competes every year in canoe surfing on Team Olukai and continues her love for paddling with the Hawaiian Canoe Club. Nowadays, her time is consumed raising her two keiki, Hinatea and Hilinai. All right, so thank you, Tiare, for taking the time out of your busy schedule. She's actually in her office right now. She's in between different projects, so for sure, I'm so grateful that you've just said yes to spending time because I can't wait to listen and learn from you and everyone that's going to hear this episode. I for sure know that they're going to be so inspired to be more active in their own communities as you and you've definitely inspired our family. So I want to talk a little bit about like growing up, you know, we shared your background and, and what you've accomplished. Can you tell me what it was like growing up for you in Lahaina? And that was the beginnings. We, we know you in this town as being the ocean girl, first and foremost. So tell me what it was like growing up, you know, near the water and how, where your love of land started. Yeah, um, mahalo for having me. Yes. My love for the ocean is generational. My mother was a avid um, gatherer. She loved to pick opihi, hauki uke, and vana. And so we spent every weekend down at the beach. Um, and just, you know, growing up in Lahaina, it's inevitable. Um, my Uncle Bear would pick us up when I was nine years old and take us to canoe practice every day from school. I never played ball sports. I only paid ocean sports, um, but growing up in Lahaina was beautiful. You know, back then it was a lot less contested than what it is today. Um, we definitely had a sense of place and connection to, to Aina um, as we still do today. Um, but it was, you know, very different to me when I look back. Um, you know, we, we, we struggled like most families, you know, coming from, a household where our parents had to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. Um, but, you know, I can't, I can't complain because I got to be, to grow up on this beautiful island. Right. Amazing. I definitely love how you share a lot about how things have changed. And I think more than anyone I know, you've been so vocal about that. So 
you know, as a mama now of two keiki, what are some of the changes that you say have, you know, that you've seen in just your own lifetime? What are some of the things that have, you know, stuck out to you? Because we know over the stories of generations in Hawaii, but just you personally in the town that you grew up in that you love so much. Uh, for Lahaina, for us that grew up in Lahaina, so much has changed. Um, we've become so dependent and complacent to the tourism industry, uh, unfortunately. Um, you know, with the closure of Pioneer Mill back in 1999, um, a lot of our workforce was directed toward more towards catering to tourists. Um, yeah, so, you know, things have changed in terms of the amount of people. Um, a lot of these lands were converted to gentlemen and luxury real estate development. Uh, so, you know, it's it saddens me. Um, but that's our reality. And I'm hoping to help change that. Yes. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. Because I recently, you know, got a little bit more vocal myself and my own platform about this. And there's a lot of pushback. And it's the same rhetoric that we've been hearing forever. We would be nothing without tourism. What would you want to say to that for people that still adopt and promote these stories? I think when people say we would be nothing without tourism, it's like continuing that that form of oppression on us, right? Like I, I, I refuse to entertain doomsday scenarios where we have to depend on tourism to survive. I we have some of the most um, abundant lands here in Polynesia, and I truly believe that we can we can be a template of resilience and sustainability around the world when, in terms of food security and renewable energy and perhaps even in um, different sectors of technology. Um, but that's, I, yeah, I refuse to entertain that we need to be dependent on tourism. Aole. I love it. Yeah, and I think that that just starts bringing different conversations. And if we always accept what it's always been, nothing changes. So thankfully, we have voices and female voices like Tiare out there in the community, which I know you definitely make waves, sis. Not just in the ocean, okay, when you're big wave surfing, but you definitely are willing to make waves. And a lot of people are not willing to do so. What is it that calls you to stand up and step out for the different causes that you show up for? My children. Um, everything I do is with my my children's future in mind. Um, they are my driving force, and I I feel very uh, connected to my kupuna, and I feel like they have put me here on this earth to be a voice. Um, so knowing that I have the support of my kupuna and my children to inspire me is what motivates me today. What was the biggest pushback you ever got? for standing up for different causes. Do you remember the issue? Do you remember, because Tiare actually ran for, was it city council or state? State house. State house. Yeah, and obviously putting yourself out against the, what do you call, professional politicians and you know people are gonna try to say things and sway votes when everything was grassroots and organic. I, you know, from what I've seen, what was the biggest moment for you that you ever had to really um, kind of dig in deep? 
the biggest pushback I, I experienced was when I was 15 years old. Um, I wrote a letter to the editor for Lahaina News against the development of Launio Poco. And that wow. is where my active. Um, but that was that was brutal, you know, being 15 years old and seeing all these the land where you grew up be converted to gentlemen estates and you know homes that I know most people like me and people in my family will never be able to afford and so seeing that projects come to life was so disheartening um yeah and just receiving that pushback from the the development interest you know and it a at little 15 age years old wow yeah what were some of the things yeah. that were said was it in the comments like what, what was this because this is before social media obviously yeah I mean everything was we need the jobs we need the jobs union jobs job job jobs I get it but you know those people that work those jobs most of them still renting most of them mm-hmm. don't still don't own a home so you know I, I I'm not a huge fan of development that doesn't take that doesn't malama its people first right so and that's another thing I think that you're such a great example of is self-sustainability because when you're just saying like everyone's job 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 then yes it's important but long-term breaking free from this oppressive state of being that we've just been living under you talk a lot about food security and how that importing food is a form of oppression can you speak on that a little bit more to people that are kind of unsure how this all kind of plays into the industry as well absolutely it's a travesty we currently import 90 percent of all of Hawaii's food we have some of the most amazing land great quality of soil we have access to water and all year round growing um you know, we have sun all year round and yet we are stuck here importing 90% of our food. How did this happen? I just don't understand. Well, a lot of that had to do with coming from plantation monoculture. Um, but, you know, as we transition from, from sugar production into more of a diversified ag model, we have an opportunity to really change that narrative. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. But oh, yeah, for I'm sure. really, really passionate about achieving local food security and if we can somehow decline that number from 90 to 70 percent that would make a huge dent in what we currently import we are not um Hawaii is very not sustainable we depend on fossil fuels tremendously to import all of these foods whether it's on a plane or on big ships and we have all the resources here to change that but we don't have the political will or the support at the state level and sometimes at the federal level to really make this happen. And so, you know, being involved politically the past few years has taught me a lot and just really taught me that we need to infiltrate roles of leadership within the, within the system to create the change needed in order to address, and not just politically, this is about infiltrating all roles of leadership, whether you're working in a corporation or through an institution or through education, is um, creating those opportunities where we can start to have tangible discussions towards finding solutions for local food security. So good. And she definitely walks the walk. Like, 
I will link all of her, you know, in the show notes, a link where you can follow her, where you can find her. She has a beautiful mala that she grows at home. She was a you know, vital part in the restoration of the Kahoma taro patch. Can you talk a little bit about that, what you did with um, Uncle Archie and Alicia, which we'll definitely have on this show as well. But I want to talk because people say, oh, never, whenever, whenever, whenever. And you guys did the impossible. How many years did you, you know, did that take? And how many years was that land barren? Absolutely. So when Pioneer Mill was in business, you know, the sugar um, farm, on the west side of Lahaina, they used to take 100% of our streams in Kanaha and Kohoma. So growing up, I we never had river. Like we never, we didn't even know that that river flowed every day of the year. You know, being young, we were so, I didn't know that all the water was taken. And, you know, as we grew older and more, um, you know, Kupuna started to rise up and stand against the continued uh, irresponsible diversions of water from Kohoma Valley, um, we were able to, to get water restored. Um, it was a discussion that we started having about 11 or 12 years ago. Um, that system was owned by Kamehameha Schools actually and leased to Pioneer, Pioneer Mill. But from the time of the plantation, so they diverted the water for over a hundred years. Over a hundred years, that stream only flowed Makatumakai or mountain to the ocean during heavy rains. Um, so wow. we, as kids get so excited when there'd be like water in their stream, like, oh my gosh, we have a river. And we'd go swim for like a day or two before it would dry up again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with, with the closure of Pioneer Mill, um, we there was opportunity for us to start fighting for that water to be restored. And so working in conjunction with Kamehameha Schools, they started to release water. Um, but it took us five years. So by the time the water was restored, it took five years for us to get consistent Malka to Makai flow. Can you imagine like the rivers are like veins, right? And it was just so sucked up for a hundred years, just deprived and sucked. So it was just sucking everything it possibly could back down to the aquifer. So it took five years for us to see consistent Makai flow. Wow. That says a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and then from there, you know, when we first started going up there, I mean, everything was overgrown, right? You couldn't even see the, lo- like, we had to dig to see the old Pohaku, the old walls um, that where the lo'is were. And, um, you know, we used to feel so defeated, like, how are we going to do this by hand? Because we can't take machines up there. You have to cross the river. You have, everything is with a o'o bar, burning, you know, fires and by hand. Yeah. Um, but, but with the help of the community and organizing community work days, we were able to restore the lo'i after two years of work days. So, that is and, incredible. and yeah, and now we're growing Kalo, we're feeding our community, our kids get to experience a healthy stream and seeing O'opu thrive and um, just, you know, but most importantly, eating from these lands that once sustained our very own kupuna in Lahaina. So I love what very- you said in, in sharing that because you said, how are we supposed to find the, the pohaku? How are we supposed to find the walls? How are we supposed to get to that? And you said community. And if that's one thing I think I've seen your kupuna really work through you is gathering community, gathering people, rallying them, helping them not feel hopeless, 
when did you know that you were supposed to be a voice? What was that moment? And you don't have to answer right away because I know you said at 15, but when you started to gather masses, what did that feel like? How did you just know I'm going all in? So there was a huge town being proposed for Oluwalu and um, Oluwalu holds a special place in my heart. It's where we grew up as kids. It's where I learned how to swim at the landing. Um, uh, some of my best childhood memories is at my Auntie Tilly's house behind the Oluwalu General Store. There was this massive development being proposed, 1,500 homes, 300,000 square feet of commercial real estate. And it's just, I could not, I, I just, for the life of me, I, I didn't know what to do at that point because I hadn't been involved, but all I knew is I needed to reach out to people and find out what I needed to do to, to be involved. And um, yeah, I just, the Oluwalu was like what motivated me. I, I was, screw that. I'm going to put my body in front of machines if I have to. Um, that's how I felt. Yeah. And it kind of, my journey started from there. Absolutely. And just knowing that my family supported my efforts was meant everything to me. Yeah. So tell us what happened because not everyone would know the story. Yeah. So um, they had to go through their final, like we basically stopped them at their last approval Amazing. and they needed a, approval from the land use commission. But, you know, I worked hard to organize our ohana, especially from West Side, to to step up. And, you know, a lot of people, everyone's so busy, you know, everyone's mm -hmm. working. You know, it's really hard. And the all these hearings are on the other side of the island. So if you live in Lahaina, you have to drive an hour to attend these meetings. And, you know, with all the traffic in and out because tourism, mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of people just don't get involved. Um, but with this issue, it just came down to educating our community, providing them the talking points that they needed, making it easier for them, making them feel comfortable. And knowing that a, a lot of people showed up made other people feel comfortable, like people that had never testified in my family testified for the first time at that meeting. Wow. Um, you know, so I was just there to be a resource to provide talking points and just kind of like, you know, just help guide them through the process. You gave um, yourself to this cause like completely. It's so incredible. Absolutely. And I hope that mm -hmm. you really know how grateful so many people are for your passion and your service, you know? This, it's, it's really powerful. And I think there was a moment for me where I didn't, I knew you from like the show world. I, I was like amazed by, you know, you on social media and your big wave surfing. But when it really pulled you, when you really pulled me in and I really got to experience your mana was when Ka'anapali, when the EIS, the whole thing started to go down and you shared this live on Facebook and you were filming everybody talking about, we're going to lose this beach. We're going to lose, you know, the canoe hale, there's going to be a development, like all of this coming on the last like local spot. This is the extension of the schools for the keiki. And that threw me into like, okay, I don't know what to do, but leaders like you, you don't give up hope because what is really sad, I think, is how many Kanaka and, you know, for understandably say, what's the point? What would you say to mm -hmm. people like that when it comes to every issue? Because on every island and every community, there are issues around preservation. What do you want to say to people that feel like, what's the point? 
I want to tell them to change their mentality because it's that mentality that kept us from, from having a lot of what we should have today. It's that mentality um, is the reason why we don't control our lands. It's that mentality that is the reason why we don't have like-minded Kanaka holding leadership roles within the state legislature, county councils, and leadership positions throughout the state. It's that mentality that has hurt us for so long, and it's our kuleana, our generation, to change that mentality. Um, that's what I would tell them. So change good. your mentality, girl. No, ole. Like, no, no, no. Think yeah. about your kids. Yeah. And share with us the march that you, you know, you created on Maui and in Oahu. And this, what was that for? And how many people attended? And what was that, you know, that next pivotal moment in your in your career? Because I want to say career, yeah, so, but like your, you know, your passion around preservation and activism. I'm really fortunate to have a handful of friends that are very like-minded, like myself, just very rooted and just very hardcore, passionate people. And um, prior to us organizing the march, we just felt so compelled with everything happening on Mauna Kea that we needed to do something. And I remember calling my friend Davis, who's now the community organizer for the Office of Hawaiian Affairs and former staff attorney for um, trustee Dan Ohuna. I reached out to him and, and if you meet Davis, he's just, he's like me, like we're firecrackers, we're super passionate. And then, and then you meet Kuhio, who used to be, um, he used to work at Oha too, but, and he's like the more Zen person, like really good at organizing things. And we just kind of came together as a hui and said, we need to do this. Um, it started at a meeting, we're at a meeting at UH to tell, to organize, how can the neighbor islands support Mauna Kea? And at that meeting is when we sat at a table and we was like, let's do a march. And that's where the march was, the idea came to be. And so we got together a group of us and we made it happen. And how many people do you think across Pai Aina actually showed up if you were to just make a guess? Well, that March, we estimated about 10,000 people marched the streets of Waikiki. Radical. Originally, our permit was only to give us one lane of the, uh, of the, um, was it the boulevard? Yeah, the, um, the strip. Yeah, they call it, I think. Yeah, the Waikiki strip. strip yeah. um, but we had so much people that we had to take over the whole road. And we basically amazing. shut down Waikiki for like four hours. <laughs> it was so awesome. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I love that so much because what we were just talking about, if you have that mentality of like, what's the point? You don't have this kind of impact, but this one voice together with like-minded individuals really coming together, it just proves the power of that. Was there ever a time though, sis, you rallied people together? Did you ever have resistance? Did anybody ever like throw you off your you know, your mission for a second, or just, you know, because whenever you're doing great things, there's always going to have resistance. It's just law of the universe. I don't know. When you're doing big things, there are always going to be huge resistance. Do you have a moment you can share with us? Because I know people are going to be like, okay, I'm going to get involved. And like, okay, I'm going to do what my kupuna are calling me to do. But we let that something hold us back. Someone, something. Can you share a story around that? Um, well, you're very familiar with this specific story. Um, you know, through through all these years up until I took this position where I work at now, I've always been heavily supported. 
I never, I never got resistance, you know, unless it's like developers or, you know, the other side, right. Um, but never resistance from our own people. Um, and, you know, some Hawaiians have a hard time accepting Kanaka inserting themselves into positions of leadership, whether it's a hotel or construction or working where I'm, I'm at now, you know, just some people have a hard time accepting us or believing that we can create change from within. And so that was hard, you know, knowing that there's a few individuals um, coming after me because I took this, this position at Mahipon was very disheartening. Um, you know, I, I am a firm believer that we can create systemic change from within. I've seen it happen. I've seen, I've seen like my aunties and uncles who be, who have become cultural advisors in West my hotels, um, make substantial changes in the way hotels operate and the way, Amazing. um, you know, and, right. and, and, you know, they got a lot of pushback back then. So getting a seat to- at the table is very important. Yeah, and growing up in Lahaina, I have so much value for people for for the work that they have done because they had to push down some walls from our own people, mm-hmm. and they fought through it, and they've created um, great opportunities within the tourism industry to create jobs for more Kanaka and artists, and um, and just you know educating the, the tourists on Aloha and respect for our culture, our people, our places, our Vahipana. Um, and so that's kind of what I want to do here at Mahipono is to be an educator, to be a voice, to educate and motivate the company to perhaps adapt better practices or farm different crops in an effort to achieve more of a local food, food security. Um, so yeah, going back to the original question, it was hard. it's been hard dealing with people that don't agree with me taking this position because you know for a lot of people they feel like they lost an important voice because Mm -hmm. I was on the outside banging and working as a full-time community organizer and now I'm I'm busy because my time is consumed working within the corridors of this new company but I don't think things have changed for me I'm still I'm still Tiare being a community activist, you know, fighting against seawalls and development and nothing ain't going to stop me from, from doing what's Pono. Um, so I feel like for some people, they may like felt that they lost their manoahine on the outside, but I'm the same person and I, always, I will always be, and it's just going to be in the role that I am, I'm in now. I love that. And I love how you just always hold it down, Zess. It's so powerful. So, you know, with diversifying, what is the one thing, like if you could just really take that leadership position, you know, that you're going to have in the state or whatever until there's some form of true sovereignty or, you know, wherever we're trying to work towards, what is the one thing that you would love to happen? Um, one thing I would love to happen in my lifetime is to fly over Maui in 20 years and to see a hub of diversified agriculture, a hub of different, um, farm, small family farms thriving throughout the central Maui plain. Um, that is what I want to see. I want to see a dying industry 
be revitalized so that we're not complacent and dependent on industries that continue to have harm on our environment. Um, tourism is a very extractive industry. It takes a lot. Um, so I wanna find ways where we can eliminate a lot of that. And I think through agriculture, we can, responsible agriculture, of course, you know, there's things that we need to work on here to, to promote more, more sustainability and better resource management. Um, but I would love to see this, this industry be revitalized. Um, it put, you know, for, I'm not a huge fan of sugar, but it did put a lot of our kupuna through college and through school and was able to buy some of our families their first homes. And I'd like to see us be able to grow food and be able to provide those same opportunities for our local people um, and create opportunities to keep a lot of these kids home, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's kind of one of my goals. I love it. So what's the one thing that, you know, we as Wahine listening in can do to support that effort? Um, I think, especially Wahine, but most importantly as mothers is educating our kiki, giving them a sense of connection to Aina, educating them on eating healthy and the importance of supporting local, like um, just being more Aina based and Aina driven and community engaged. Um, that's my message to Wahine, especially mothers, is to take this opportunity to educate our keiki so that when they reach our age, they're, they're well-versed and they're deeply rooted and connected and that they know their history. Um, but most importantly, if you know your language, you know your history. So I always tell people, like, if you have the opportunity to put your kids in Kayapuni-style education, um, a lot of that comes naturally through Kayapuni, that that love for aloha aina. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you and I are very blessed to have our keiki learning, um, learning olalohava'i, and with that comes knowledge. Right. Well, yeah. I appreciate you so much. I know that you have a million people messaging you as we're talking, and so, like, there's a, such a busy day, but I really appreciate everything that you do, not only for the women in our community but worldwide you're such a pillar and I want you to really take that in so where can our listeners come find you what would what resource would you like to share and I'll make sure I drop it in the show notes um so you know I try to use my social media as a platform I do um, manage some pages uh, we have Kako Haleakala we have Malamo Oluwalu if you care about um, you know Oluwalu, of course, but I use that page a lot to educate people on the harms of seawall uh, sea uh, development, um, the hardening and armoring of our shorelines. And so we kind of, I use that that page for a lot of like the ocean stuff that we're doing. Mm -hmm. We also have Safe Kaanapali where we are educating people on um, projects that are being proposed, developments that are being proposed and what they can do to be involved. Um, so there's that. And then also my personal social media. So, you know, I have my Instagram and I try to use my stories and my posts as a means to try to educate the community on certain issues and how they can participate or testify. So those are all um, great platforms that I help try to manage in order to, you know, get the word out. Yes. Amazing. Well, we'll definitely link that below. So if you love this, make sure you tag Tiare 
a takeaway, something that you've definitely been in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you loved what you heard and just want to share it with all your teachers out there, sis, do me a favor, screenshot, post, and tag me on Instagram so I can stock your profile and we can connect more. There's so much goodness coming your way. So don't forget to subscribe and I would love it if you left a five-star review so we can grow this space for our wahine. Mahalo for being here. Now get out and show the world how amazing you are.